0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Killaloo Music Festival podcast. I Hope you're all well. Uh, We're all very much counting down the days until we can play music for all of you again, and we're looking forward to that um, immensely. It's not very long now. It's about seven Fridays left, uh, so hang tight. We're almost there. Um, Today's interview, um, I have talked to Zoe Nagel, and Zoe Nagel is going to be this year's Emerging Artist every year the kililu festival bring on one person or um, a small group of people who are they're just embarking on their journey as a musician and they're they're in college or they've just left college or they've just left secondary school and they're just about to continue on with their musical path and it's always wonderful to be able to listen to them every year um it's a lovely moment in the festival when you, um, you stop listening to the people who've done it for quite a long time and you find someone who's completely new, the next generation. And it's, it's a lovely thing. And um, this year is, um, is going to be Zoe Nagel, who is a cellist from Cork um, and is currently in Germany, um, continuing her studies on cello. So I managed to chat with Zoe earlier in the week um, and this is um, the interview. mm yeah. I'm joined now by Zoe Nagel, who is going to be this year's Emerging Artist. Hi, Zoe.
1: Hi, Carl. Thank you so much for having me.
0: No problem at all. Um, you're not in Ireland at the moment, are you?
1: No, I'm in Munich at the moment. I'm studying over here in the Hochschule für Musik und Theater, and I'm in my second year, so I'm not at home. I'm, I'm over here for the time being.
0: Amazing. And how's it going?
1: it's going great it's absolutely it's lovely to be back because um obviously last year it was very disrupted and uh yeah as it was for many people but it's really really nice to be back and to be kind of um yeah enjoying being in school and being able to have regular lessons and chamber music and hopefully orchestra in the not too distant future so i'm very happy
0: yeah that's amazing has anything like big happened? I mean, like I know there's a lockdown quite recently, but um has anything sort of happened that really stands out it's
1: it's um I suppose in terms of lockdown, it's been quite similar to at home um most things closed um but honestly, what I think is a big deal for me anyway is just being able um to have in person lessons with my teacher again um because there was such a long period of time over the last few months where that wasn't possible. So that has been that has been really um, just amazing to have that again. And yeah, I really would definitely regret that as a big thing.
0: Yeah, no face-to-face lessons are really quite rare these days, aren't they?
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So we're very lucky that um, over here school has made uh, such a big effort to you know bring in um regular testing for students so you know um they're kind of really trying to make it as easy as possible for things to go back to normal as quickly as possible um which yeah is i'm very grateful for
0: yeah that's that sounds great um so i can then maybe assume that you're going to do music then after this happens like this is your future career Yes,
1: yes, definitely. Um, so, it's, how many um, more years have you got? That's something that I'm absolutely certain about.
0: How many more years have you got?
1: I've got two more years after this, so I've yeah, two two just over two more years, um, which uh, I'm excited about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, um, and I know it's quite a long way into the future. I mean, as you just said, two years. Um, but do you kind of know where you're going to head off to then?
1: Um. Well. Ideally, I'd I I'd love I definitely love to do a master's when I'm finished my bachelor's. Um, I it's not something that I've uh, I haven't made any concrete plan yet. But um, I absolutely love being um in Europe, kind of mainland Europe. It's just
0: yeah. so
1: rewarding being in an environment which is it's it's just the attention and dedication to the arts over here and classical music specifically especially in Germany um it's just an extremely inspiring place to be so um I'd definitely be interested in maybe um staying here for for, for as long as possible
0: (laughs) yeah I'd say do that if you can absolutely yeah um so uh, now tell me about your program choice for your concert um you've got three items is that right
1: that's right yeah so um well first of all I'm going to be playing with Clara Ziegler who is an absolutely wonderful pianist and a wonderful person so I'm really really excited to be playing with her. Um, we're very fortunate that we're both in the same place, she's based in Munich, She's uh, she lives here um, so it's lovely to be able to, that we're not going to be, there won't be issues with travel or restrictions and that we'll be able to play together. Um, as far as our program goes, um, I'm going to be playing the third suite by um, Bach in C major, which is just incredible.
0: It's mm.
1: For me, anyway, it's an extremely joyful, triumphant piece to listen to and play yeah um so i'm very i'm i I love playing it Uh, and i'm excited to share it
0: uh, this year for the festival isn't it Bach runs really through most of the program it was um Catherine Hunker's starting point for the programming
1: it does yes which is such it's such a beautiful way to kind of frame the festival i think um and it does kind of feed through the rest of our program so we're um also i think the kind of staple of um our program will be um bram's uh cello sonata and e minor um which has you know so much influence from Bach running all the way through it you know there it's the contrapunctus from um the art of fugue is very very is a very very prominent theme in that sonata so it's um it's very nice that it's But everything
0: comes back to Bach, always. (laughs) But it always does, doesn't it? Everything comes back to Bach.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We'd be lost without him.
0: (laughs) So that's your second piece then, the Brahms.
1: Yeah, and then we're going to be finishing with something pretty different. Um, We're finishing with uh, Variations on a Theme by Rossini by Boslav Martinou, which is definitely very, very different. It will be different to the Bach and the Brahms. Um I I think it's an absolutely brilliant piece. The theme is so well known and it's just one of those those tunes that I think everyone everyone would have heard at some point. Do you mind me asking um, what the theme and is? And then Pardon?
0: Uh, do you mind me asking what the theme is?
1: Um it's the it's i i well, i'm hesitant to <laughs> inflict my singing yeah. but da dum 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 da dum yeah yeah no, that, so that, that
0: it's so well known
1: but then it just somehow amalgamates into a really exciting fun Um, very contemporary music um, from that theme Um, and it's just absolutely brilliant to play and really exciting to listen to. I still remember the first time I heard it and I was just it was was in a live concert which (laughs) is extra special now but
0: um,
1: it's just I was completely captivated from beginning to end so it's an absolutely brilliant piece and I think we're both very excited
0: to play it. Yeah, we can't wait to hear it I'm over here.
1: Yeah. Um, out of those three, <laughs>
0: this sounds like quite a a mean question. But if you had to pick one, which would be your favorite?
1: Oh, um, I've been I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, not just with this program, but trying to narrow things down. Um, is extremely hard all the time. But um, I. I think I would have to say Bach um, mm-hmm. just all of his cello suites and in particular, the third one. Um, uh, there's just something about playing Bach that is extremely comforting for me. And um, it's just a kind of a sensation that I, that is so specific to Bach. And um, so I, I just don't think I'd be able to, um, leave,
0: leave that. Yeah. Yeah. Good choice. Good choice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um,
0: And so you're going to pre-record this concert, is that right?
1: We will be pre-recording. Yeah. So we're very lucky that, um, we've got a lovely venue in, in our Hochschule where we're both studying. Um, so it'll be, it'll be really nice to, uh, record in a kind of a concert venue. Um, even without audience um, and hopefully it won't be too long before we're back mm-hmm. um, w- before we're back to that but uh, um, yeah it's hopefully it will um, the online uh, broadcast will uh, be the next best thing to real life sitting in front of an audience
0: well, I mean it's what we're all getting used to now isn't it
1: yes absolutely yeah it's, gr- it's great in a way that we're um, I think as kind of tough as as this, as all of this time has been for everyone and um, people outside of music as well. Um, But in a way, it's great that we've, uh, well, I can only speak for myself, but it's definitely kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone in terms of adapting to, um, you know, recording video. um, It's really kind of taught me how important it is to... um, be mindful of those things and how and how rewarding it can it can be to um yeah invest time in learning about doing those things properly because it 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 definitely has made a huge difference in the past 12 months
0: yeah absolutely it's a learning curve for all of us
1: yeah absolutely absolutely for everyone i think
0: um well zoe thanks so much for talking to me um
1: Thank you, thank you for having having me, and I'm excited to listen to the rest of the podcast episode.
0: Yeah, <laughs> okay, I <I'll laughs> do my best. <laughs> um, well, brilliant. Okay, um, so we look forward to seeing your result. Um, thank you. Concert.
1: Thank you. I'm looking forward to it myself.
0: Okay. Bye bye.
1: Bye bye. Thank you. No, 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 no,
0: astounding how when people are so far away from each other that we can still have these um, these conversations and then we can even show these conversations to you I, I think it's just incredible um, the possibilities um, nowadays and I suppose we as human beings have become so reliant on it um, because of this whole last year um, but it's still it's truly wonderful that it's possible to do these things um so that was Zoe Nagel um and I thank her sincerely for taking the time to sit down um and talk to me for a little bit. Um coming up I'll be discussing all three pieces that she mentioned um that will be played in her program um in her concert. So, Zoe's chosen three pieces, and she's going to open with Bach. I mean, what a way to open. I've already discussed one of Bach's um, solo cello suites, um, so I'm not going to go fully into detail on this one. Um, but uh, I'll talk a little bit about it. It's the It's got the same kind of um, structure as uh, the first one, um, in that it has uh, six movements, um, and they go prelude, allemande, Corant, Saraband, two borés, and a jig. Um, and as already I've mentioned before, um, these are all styles of baroque dance. Um, so you can sort of imagine when the cellist is playing that uh, so like everybody would be standing up and um, moving around to the music because, uh, well, why not? It's beautiful. Um, one thing I'd like to point out, which I find really quite interesting, is that the second boré, and um, there's two in the second one, is in C minor, the whole cello suite in general is in C major Um, the second Bure is in C minor Um, and for those music heads of you out there you'll know that the key signature as in what the performer sees to know what the key is for C minor generally has three flats and that's what you see at the beginning of the music but Bach did not write three flats Um, Bach wrote two which would mean that it's Actually, in G minor, um, the key signature for G minor is two flats, um, but it's in C minor the whole way through with two flats only, um, and this is what they call a partial key signature, and I th- I think it's fascinating how that happens, um, and no one knows why really, I mean it's very strange I suppose, um, another interesting point that I didn't actually mention last time was who found the suites and that was the cellist Pablo Casals. Um, and he found them at age thirteen. He was thirteen years old in Spain. It was in eighteen eighty nine, and he um he heard, found like manuscripts, the old manuscripts of the Bach cello suites. Um, his wife Anna Magdalena had uh, rewritten them to make them more legible, and this is what Pablo Casals found. And he played them, and he loved them. Um, and it wasn't until nineteen thirty six, when he was sixty years old, that he agreed to record them. Finally, and uh, he recorded the fifth one first because that one was apparently his favorite, and the rest of them happened the year after. Um, and these are the first recording of the Bach Cello Suites, um, and they're also still hailed as the best, um, most aesthetically significant. That's what's written um, by the critics at that time. Um, I'm not going to say too much more about it, um, about the Bach Cello Suite, because it's very similar. Um, to the first one which I've spoken about in the first episode um, in time period and about Bach himself as well. Um, then the next piece that she has mentioned is the Brahms Cello Sonata Number 1, um, which was his opus 38, which means it was his 38th piece of work. And it was written between 1862 and sixty-five. He wrote the first two movements in 1862. He also wrote um, a third movement, um, a very slow movement, entitled Adagio, um, but he completely scrapped that, deleted it, um, and I mean, we've never heard it. No one's heard it except for him in his head. Um, so it's only three movements long, the piece of music he wrote. The third movement in eighteen sixty five, a couple of years after, he kind of refound it, and then finally it was put together as um, a full sonata with three movements, and um, performed for the first time on October thirteenth, eighteen sixty five, in the Polish, now Polish town of Gdansk. I'm hoping. I pronounced that correctly. Um, Brahms wrote about this piece of music. He said, the piano should be a partner, often a leading, often a watchful and considerate partner, but it should under no circumstances assume a purely accompanying role. Um, This could be because Bach was a pianist and he performed it on the piano because he wasn't a cellist and he just wanted to make it absolutely clear that um, he was also important. I mean, it is, it's generally speaking, I think, a piano and cello sonata. It's not really um, cello is the solo instrument and piano is but the accompanist. It's very much piano is the tune and the cello answers and the piano responds. It's, it's more of a duet um, in that way. Um, and I think that's what Brahms was trying to say. I don't think it was because of his bias for the piano. Um, but if it was, then, you know, fair enough. Um, he dedicated the cello sonata to a friend of his, um, whose name was Josef Gans Becher. No, Gens my bad. And um, he performed it with him, with Josef on cello, privately, in front of some friends first. And the story goes that Brahms was playing extremely loudly, not at all like what he'd said before about the piano being um, an accompanist and a partner, equal in that way. He was playing louder, louder than the cello, um, inconsiderably louder louder than what he should have been. Um, The exact words was that he... He growled through the piano and roared um, through the fast passages. And, you know, poor cellist. I mean, the piano, as it is, is a very loud instrument. Um, And then up against an instrument like the cello, um, which isn't the loudest of all instruments, really. It's a string instrument. They're not that loud. And um, Josef apparently stopped halfway through the, um, the third movement and he complained. He said to Bach, Look, you need to stop playing so loudly. I can barely hear my cello. And apparently Bach just... Turned around and said, "Lucky for you too," and he continued playing. Um, so, I mean, I mean, yeah, say Bach and Josef had that kind of relationship. It was, uh, I think, I don't think Bach um, thought he was the best cellist around, um, but they were still friends, and in that way, he was sort of taking the um, taking the piss, I suppose. Um, but also, could have genuinely thought that there was better people around that might be able to play the sonata. Um, and that's, I would consider that the first performance, not public, but in front of friends. Um, and as Zoe also mentioned, Bach is prevalent in this music as well. Bach is prevalent in most music of this time. The the German um, composers, um, including Fanny and Felix, um, they were all being heavily influenced by Bach, um, Schumann as well. Um, and they were all incorporating Bach somehow in their music. Um, and this is no exception. Uh, the principal theme of um, the movement, the first movement, and the fugue in the third movement are based off the um, fourth and thirteenth contrapunctuses um, of the art of the fugue, um, De Kunst der Fuge, um, which is one of Bach's other very well-known works. And um, and Brahms loved these themes and he used them in his music. Um, the fourth one, the fourth contrapunctus being in the first movement and the thirteenth being the fugue of the third movement. And um, this cello sonata was hailed in Europe as one of the finest pieces available for cello at that point, um, solo cello repertoire. Um, And it was properly popularized in London, in England of all places, um, by Robert Hausmann. And Brahms was so very grateful for this, for this popularization of his music by Hausmann. So much so that when he wrote his second cello sonata, a couple of years later, he, he dedicated it to this man, to Robert Hausmann. And that was, I think, Um, his way of just showing his gratitude um, for what he did. The final piece that um, Zoe will be playing is um, the Bohuslav Martinu Variations on a Theme of Rossini. Um, Martinu has been played before in the festival, um, only one of his pieces. Um, He wrote a lot of music, um, 400 works, over 400 works um, in total, um, six symphonies, 12 operas, 28 individual solo instrumental pieces. He wrote a lot of music. Um, uh, He grew up very poor. His father was um, a shoemaker and a um, a church bell ringer. Um, But his musical talent was recognised early on. And this is what I love. It's a beautiful story about how his home village pooled together to help him to fund his um, going to Prague to learn music properly there. And um, according to um, files and archives and so on, he was just not cut out for it. He felt that, and his teachers felt that too, because he was expelled um, from the school on account of incorrigible negligence, uh, which I think is quite funny. Um, He was exempt from the army then in the First World War in 1914 um, because he became a violent teacher, and teachers were were looked over in that sense, and he also had um, a bit of ill health at that point as well. And during this time, he managed to play in the Czech Philharmonic because uh, some of the musicians there had been drafted into the war and there were vacancies. So he joined the Czech Philharmonic and um, this was where his music began being recognised. It was beginning to be played um, by this orchestra. And um, it's thought that at this point, while he was um, doing his um, Prague moment of his life, Debussy, Claude Debussy, was his biggest influence and... The one who made his music what it was at that point um he moved to france after a while in 1923 a couple years after the war and he continued his musical education there because at that point he kind of realized that this was definitely what he wanted to do before that he'd been kind of a young teenager dropped off in prague and still not entirely sure of where he wanted to be and i think that's probably why he was expelled Um, So he then continued in France. In 1923, he studied under Albert Roussel and um, in this case, Debussy became um, sort of old music for him uh, and his new influences were Igor Stravinsky and American jazz, which was just becoming um, known in Europe at that time. Um, The story goes that he carried a postcard um, uh, about his hometown with him in his pocket. It was a picture of the church. Um, in which his father had rang the bells, and um this um was believed to be uh, a huge source of nostalgia um for Bohuslav. and uh it also is um probably why he incorporated so much Czech folk music in the music of this time of his french um his french visit um which spanned from nineteen twenty three to nineteen forty one He didn't want to leave France, and we know that. He left in 1941. Um, It was not long after the Germans had invaded France, um, Second World War at this point, and he moved very quickly to America with his wife. He found a wife, a French wife. Um, And he arrived, and the very first thing that was published in America by him was his variations on a theme of Rossini. He couldn't speak English at all, and he had no job. It was a huge risk. But luckily, the conductor of the Boston Symphony Orchestra um, at that time, Serge Koussevitzky, helped him a lot. He helped him and a couple of other composers in the same boat, for example, Béla Bartók, and he played their music um, for the public, um, which hugely boosted Martinou's um, uh, fame and um, acknowledgement in America. Um, the theme from his variations, comes from Rossini's opera Mose in Egitto, um, which is Moses in Egypt. Um, Not a very well-known opera by Rossini. He wrote so many. He wrote like 39. Um, But this is his opera Mose in Egitto. um, And it was from the aria Dal tuo stellato solio, um, which translated from Italian means from your starry throne. And it's sort of, it's um, the moment where Moses um, sings his prayers and hopes for the future. And um, before uh, Martiniu had a chance really to come in and try and um, make variations of the tune, um, Niccolò Paganini, um, this violin master uh, from a couple of years before, um, had used it in his Sonata a Priera, um or Sonata for a Prayer, um, it's also known as the Moses fantasy and he'd used that same tune for that, um, it's variations on a the theme of Rossini, but by Paganini as well. And um, it was actually Paganini's piece that influenced um, Martineau more than the actual original um, opera aria by Rossini. So in actual fact, um, his piece, um, variations on a the theme of Rossini, is variations on a variation of, uh, my bad, It's it's so hard. It's variations on a variation from Paganini's variations on a theme of Rossini, which, as you just heard there, is a mouthful. Um, so he just called it variations on the theme of Rossini, and that is exactly what Zoe will be playing. Um, so that's the music of uh, of this week. It's the wonderful program uh, devised entirely by Zoe. I might add, um, she chose all the music, and uh, yeah, we're re- I'm really looking forward to hearing it being performed. Mm-hmm. (音楽) ¶¶ that's it now for this week's episode. Um, join us next week again uh, for more interviews with the artists and more discussion about the music that will be played in the festival. Um, our social media accounts are well up and running now. They've been kicked back to life um, and they are Instagram at Killaloo Music Festival. We're on Facebook at Killaloo Chamber Music Festival and Twitter Killaloo F. Um, the Spotify can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio Breaker and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to check out um, the website, which is, as always, killaloomusicfestival.com, where you can find information on tickets, um, concerts, artist list, um, program, and a lot more, including links to the social media as well. Um, So thank you all very much for listening, and I look forward to talking again next week. Thank you.